0: And I was literally so angry at God, like what what had I done to deserve this first of all? And then also begging, please show me how to move forward with grace and gratitude
1: and joy. Welcome to your Journey to Joy podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski, and I'm on a mission to help you find joy in the chaos of life. As a retired nurse, multi-passionate entrepreneur, and mom of four adult children, I know what it's like to feel the overwhelm of it all and wonder if and when the joy will show up again. And I've learned it's up to us to go find that joy. On this show, you will hear inspiring stories from those who have overcome all kinds of life challenges, tips on how to stay healthy and vibrant during the ups and downs of life, and simple ways on finding joy in your own life. Let's face it, life is messy, yet when we travel together on this journey, support and encourage each other along the way, that joy starts to show up again. I'm so excited to lead you on this journey of you to find the joyful life that you deserve. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Moira Gorski, and we are all about joy these days on this second season. And today, I'm so excited because Tanya, my guest, is all about joy. And not only that, she has a book called The Trifecta of Joy. She, When I was introduced to her and I learned more about what her mission is and what her story is, I knew there was a reason why we were connected and the very simple part is that we really want to inspire other people to find joy in their life and that there are struggles and there are challenges and um there's always going to be but if we can intentionally um you know search out that joy um in lots of different ways then we can live we can live our you know our best life as they say and live our wonderful lives so before any we go any further Tanya Gill um Thank you for joining me today.
0: Oh, Mara, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it so much. Thank you.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. You know, I love just even looking through your bio or your website. You know, those words that jumped out at me were perfectly imperfect. And of course, the, you know, the joy, uh, the trifecta of joy, authenticity, self-compassion, self-love, connect with ourselves at the deepest level, WTF. (laughs) We say that, you know, that's a, you know. All of those things. So, you know, I just, let's just start at the beginning or we'll just start now. And um, I don't know, where do you want to start? Do you want to start and talk about the trifecta of joy? Or I was really struck by um, your story that you shared with me is how you got to the place that you are today in that trying to find some joy in your own life, right?
0: This is what I believe. I believe that we we are born into this life to experience a journey and that that journey has purpose. And sometimes we realize that the best way forward is the perfectly imperfect way. Because I'm, first of all, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So for me to have a URL that is perfectlyimperfect.wtf was very, very intentional. And the WTF piece for me, Moira, is about turning a what the fuck I hope it's okay that I can swear on your mm-hmm. podcast.
1: Yes, it's okay. Sometimes my editor will give me a a, a ping and say, "Uh, do I want me to take that out or not?" But Okay. We'll keep it in because yeah. it's it's quite appropriate. Yeah.
0: Well, it, it's about turning your what the fuck into what's this for. And for me, I've had a few big experiences in my life where I have really found myself there and i've had some and then you know in life we also have smaller things that where we're like even in traffic we can have a what the f moment but one of my biggest what the f's was uh 16 years ago actually 16 years ago i was on a family honeymoon with my husband and my two children who are 4 and 8 months old at the time and my husband and I got married very young. So we didn't have a honeymoon. And then we waited several years and kind of got established careers and we doing all the responsible things, saving, bought a house, did all the things. And so this was our honeymoon, but we had our family with us. And the first two days of the trip were absolutely beautiful and absolutely blissful. And it was magical. And on the third day my world imploded. The day started out beautiful. My husband, then John, let me sleep in. He got up and took care of the boys, came back and got me. And then we went down, had breakfast and went to the pool. And he left me at the pool while I was feeding Isaac, our, our baby. And and Alex was playing in the lazy river with some other children. And um, said, I'm just going to go for a walk on the beach. And you know, the, we have these inconsequential, you know, kiss goodbye, I love you, see you soon moments. And that was the last time I saw him alive. What happened was that, or what the witnesses had shared, was that he had been walking knee deep in water, got caught by a riptide and drowned. My spidey senses went absolutely wild. I noticed that there were people going toward the beach. I noticed that there were staff. I mentioned it to another mother. She didn't even seem to, she's like, oh, I never noticed. So I said, can you just keep an eye on Alex? And I'm just going to take Isaac and see what's going on. And there I was standing at the top of the stairs, overlooking the beach in this beautiful resort on what was supposed to be my dream vacation and watching them pull my husband's limp body out of the water and you know it it is those kinds of moments those unexpected what the f moments where our whole world shatters right and we know that no matter how many pieces it shatters into we can't put it back together mm-hmm. and it's that incredible feeling of oh my god what now what next how do i do this and and quite frankly It was one of the scariest times of my life, and I was alone, Mm -hmm. right? It was me and two babies. And the thing about that is is that I can tell you the whole story, but I actually talk about it in more detail in the book about about the experience of compartmentalization and about, you know, trying to move through those first few hours and just survive that first few hours. But what is so interesting to me is that I personally found myself on that same beach that night by myself, sitting on a chaise lounge chair and having a conversation with God. Now I, I will be the first to say that I was not a religious person. Uh my husband had just a couple of weeks earlier removed his name from the registry of his childhood church because he felt it didn't align. Uh, I've always felt myself to be a spiritual person, but I I didn't like I, I didn't feel comfortable with the term God. And yet I was sitting on the end of this shade's lounge, a crumpled mess of fear and true despair and I was literally so angry at God like what what had I done to deserve this first of all and then also begging begging and begging and begging and my my plea was please show me how to move forward with grace and gratitude and joy And I remember begging, like, please show me how, please show me how. And, and I think that for me, that became a moment where, you know, I wished that the universe would just drop it all on me and be like, guess what, girl, you got this, you're good, you're good to go. Here you go. You know what? Your life's going to be perfect from, you know, you're just going to you just going to really quickly heal and get over this. But that's not how grief works, right?
1: No. no. Well, I mean, move- and I well, well, I have to say too the fact that you actually had the wherewithal, if you will, to ask for again, please help me move forward with grace, gratitude and joy. I mean, who does that? Because I remember you know, sitting on my kitchen floor calling out to the god that i knew of um and saying don't you know when my daughter was so sick and saying don't take my daughter and don't take my business and just like i don't know what i was saying but just like i was so afraid that things were going away things weren't exactly right the way that i had expect them to be but i didn't have enough in me to know what to ask for except please don't take this away you know, all of this stuff that was happening. So the fact that you had that enough to ask for, you know, something, I don't know, that stuck out at me. And I have to say, I was just, um, where were you, if I could ask, where were you on your vacation?
0: You were in Cancun.
1: Yeah. Because I was just in Cabo a couple of weeks ago. And in front of this beautiful resort that we stayed at, the riptides were, the waves were so, I just thought about that because we couldn't go in the water and there were people that were standing there who would run after and scream after the people that tried to go in. Um, And it's, it's a mighty, it's a mighty uh, force when you watch that. But I know enough from my vacations, even in Southwest Michigan where the beach that we would go to, there were some years that say, say don't go in because somebody drowned last week and they'd put signs up and things like that. It can happen in, in, and you think it's fine and then it's not so it can happen in an instant and i'm you know again sorry and sorry but the fact that you could have you had obviously you had that strength in you or you had some type of you know i don't know it's 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 a little that i can say now because i know again during that grief time when you're in that just chaos it's 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 a time that you can't you can't prepare for that at all
0: you can't. You can't. And, and and let me be straight. Just because I had this conversation with Source and asked for a way forward in joy and grace and gratitude doesn't mean that that way forward magically appeared. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that I didn't live in compartmentalization and dissociation and fear and, you know, and learning opportunities, i.e. making poor decisions along the way. And you know, and and also being committed to showing my children that in all of it, whatever the muck, whatever the mess, whatever the what the F's, we could still find glimmers. They didn't have to be huge and monumental, but we could find glimmers of grace and gratitude and joy. And it's those glimmers that have a cumulative effect, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like, I'll be the first to admit, like, John did the laundry. It sounds like such a simple thing. John did the laundry. After he was gone, and after the chaos of all of the people and all of the things, and once we finally got him home and did his memorial, and everybody else got to go back to their regular lives, I was doing a load of laundry and I found myself crumpled on the floor in front of the washing machine, sobbing and screaming at him and at God for creating that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it was laundry.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, you know, and that's the other thing that we have to understand is that we can we can be impacted by the littlest things. Or really big things as we experience grief, but we also have to hold on to the moments that are the light.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? It's like, so another example is that so he died in the winter. He died in November. And he had put, he had cleaned up the yard and put away all of the furniture, things, stuff, whatever, into the into the garden shed. And I wasn't home that weekend when he did that. So come spring, right, he's gone. he I know that his intention was to go in and empty the shed himself and probably for me to have never seen the way he left it. <laughs> but I opened the door to that shed and in front of me was the most crazy pile of disaster of all things summer, literally shoved into every crevice. It looked like a giant puzzle. And I sat, I I stood back and I laughed and I laughed and I laughed and I like, I could not stop laughing because I was like, you bugger. Like you left this for me to deal with and look at what a freaking mess you left. (laughs) Like, oh my goodness, like what was going on? But, you know, it's that finding that, it's finding being able to also laugh and 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 find the joy in those kinds of moments too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I had a conversation on this show uh, with a friend of mine who lost uh, her son uh, to childhood uh, cancer. Yeah. And I'll put it in the show notes. And um, we had a, a wonderful um, conversation about grief. And how, and I'm trying to remember exactly how she said it, but I, you know, recommend people go back and listen to it. But she talked about this kind of when you said muck, like the muck that's kind of like at the bottom of the pond. And it's like always there. And sometimes it gets stirred up a lot. Sometimes it gets stirred up a little. You're not really sure what's going to stir it up, but it's just, it can get stirred up. And like you said, something can, like what seems little can really trigger it. But she also said, I was going to ask you this um, too. She also said, you know, this, after a while, people stopped asking about Ross. And she said, you know, and they, and they, oh, and so you must be better. And she said, and she said, it's almost like you, well, what she said was, please continue to ask about Ross. And I wonder how you feel about that. Like if people, you know, still ask about John, because it's almost like when they stop asking because so much time has gone on, it's like it's like they've forgotten. And that person that's grieving that loss, they never forget. It never really gets a whole lot better because there's still that loss. And it was just a profound way that she shared. And um, I never really thought about it because sometimes I think we think, oh, when we run into him or somebody that we know has had a loss, we don't want to say anything. She said, yeah, but that's the best thing you can do is to say something like, how are you? And hey, boy, I really miss Ross. And I remember when this or I really miss john. And I remember this and I hope you're, you're, or I'm sending you love or whatever the the case is,
0: you know, where that is a really important question. And I think that everyone's grief journey is different. So it's really important to take the lead of the griever. So for example, and, and this is a really good example, my best friend, Her dad passed away a little over three weeks ago. Hmm. And since his passing, he has been cremated. His remains have been scattered. A plan for a family camping trip has been made and his belongings have been dispersed and their bedroom is being repainted and his widow's way of moving through this is is her way. Right? Yes, they they still talk about Poppy and absolutely, you know, the the conversations are there. But as time goes on, you know, first of all, I guess what I what I want to what I want to emphasize is that checking in with someone is really important and how you check in with them is also important. Like, hey, how's your heart today? Mhm. Right. Because if you say, how are you? You know, it's like, do you really want to know? Like, do you really want to know how I am? Because, you know, I had to leave Costco because I put bagels in my cart and bagels were John's favorite food. And all of a sudden I couldn't even handle continue shopping. So I walked out of Costco. Right. Like, do you want to hear that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, checking in, like, how's your heart today? the other thing is is that remembering that grieving is a process so as as we're grieving we want to be able to experience the joyful stories and the the magical things and the moments and and in my experience so so my boys of course were four and eight months old when he passed and right away I was in therapy I also had my oldest in therapy and once my youngest was was old enough he was doing therapy too and and what i learned was that a lot of those really tangible memories of my 4 year old would probably be gone by the time he was like 8 so there were some things that we had a window to capture right and then from that point forward it it became my responsibility to make sure that his story and who he was became part of a legacy of who they are right so, you know, we've always had a really open conversation about how they're like their dad or, you know, what some of the things that their dad did. And, you know, like even simple things, like John was a guy who could eat the exact same thing for every meal every day. He was just that kind of guy. One of my kids is exactly the same, right? Whereas I like variety. But, you know, like those kinds of things really help people in that healing process.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's the thing when when it comes to grief and loss, the healing is a journey and it's a journey that that never ever ends. And there are some times when the wound feels fresh again and then there are other times when it feels like it's just like an old scar. but it really depends on where you're at and you have to recognize that different people can be at different places.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So for example, right now my almost 20 year old son is having a really different experience around losing his dad than he has at any other point in his life i am i remarried in 2020 and so we have a beautiful blended family they have a they have a bonus dad so and i have bonus children and they recognize that peter my husband and their bonus dad isn't their dad, but he's that he's their their guy now. Right. And they love him dearly, but there's still a longing that is starting to happen for my oldest right now, where he wants to be able to connect with who his dad was. Right. Right. So you know, his dad was a hiker, so now he's like, I think I want to do a backpacking trip this summer and you know, like just little little things that are like those those threads of connection that that we truly can intentionally maintain and they don't and they can be such beautiful ways to not only honor legacy, but also create joy and grace and gratitude in the moment.
1: It's very, very true because all we have is today. And but if we have those memories, and it's, I think it's always neat when we see somebody, one of our children, act and do something, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's just like grandpa did, or that's just like what your father acted, or that's the way I act, or whatever, because there are those strings that attach us all uh, genes and things like that, which are pretty, pretty cool. And it is finding that joy and being grateful in those moments because that conversation that I had with my friend Kim was at a time where she had lost her son and I felt like I had lost my daughter because, again, this podcast has been about addictions and disorders and being so and – I, and I felt like I had lost my daughter because she was so sick and I wasn't able to connect with her. And I was losing – I had lost out on moments – again, similar. I said, I said, I know it's not the same, but it's somewhat similar. And we wanted to have a conversation over coffee, which we did. And then we've then put it in a podcast interview. But I said, it's those type of things. And I feel like now I'm kind of, there's times that I'm almost like making up for lost time because our daughter's here and we can spend that time together. But we also know that we can't get those moments back when it was this, or we could have she could have done this or we could have done this together. We can't get those back. But what we can do is what we can do now together. And I see that with your son. He can do it maybe by himself and feel like, I don't know how you feel. I mean, but I would be like, you know, he goes hiking and maybe he feels his dad. Maybe he can connect with his dad. Maybe he can sit on that rock and talk to his dad. And, you know, those kind of things. So those are beautiful things that we can do again, because those moments happen that we just couldn't could never expect it and we can't prepare for but what you've gone on to do and what I try to do is like how can we find joy in that moment how can we find joy today be grateful for what's happening today or what happened even though it's just the what the fuck happened you know brought to you by Gorski wellness and the possibility of a better you are you feeling sluggish ready for a change need more energy up for a bigger challenge I'm Moira Gorski, retired nurse and wellness advocate. For over 22 years I've been helping people live healthier lives while making small changes each and every day. Those small changes lead my clients to living a healthier lifestyle with markedly better health. As a brand ambassador for the Shackley Corporation, the most clinically proven wellness company in the world, I guide my clients to make healthier choices each day with their food, supplements, skin care, workouts, and mindset. They say getting started is half the battle. Let's make healthy happen together. If you're ready for simple, natural, sustainable solutions to feeling and looking your best, let's connect. You'll find a link in the show notes or reach out to me at moiragorski.com. Here's to a better you. But I love, like you said, it's like, can we turn it around? And maybe it's not right away. And maybe it's years down the road. But we can turn it around to say, what is this for? Like, what's this teaching me? I know I've, I continue to to find those moments in my journey um, here. And I'm sure that you do too. And love for you to, you know, sh- share what that trifecta of joy and like how you found um, that this is what you want to do is to, because I know again, for my own journey is that I had to do it for myself, right? Mm-hmm. I had to go experience dragging myself out of my house, if you will, or going to find the things that bring me joy, because I didn't know when it was going to happen. And where is it? And when are things going to get better? And there are some days that it's not. But there's other days that it's like, okay, I'm just going to go try this and see if that can help my heart or help me be happier or connect or find some joy.
0: Well, and yes, absolutely. And what so you talk about the journey of of how we're like drawn into a journey so professionally i started out as a teacher and then i was in a direct selling company that sold intimacy products and and i left teaching and then i went into social work and um john's death happened Shortly after I had left teaching and was in, in this direct selling company with Intimacy product. And it it was like my world exploded because I was being paid to talk about having sex and I was never going to have sex again. Like it was just the craziest like there's another what the F right there,
1: right? <laughs> right, exactly. Right?
0: But but then as, then I became a registered social worker and I worked in child protection. And a few years ago, I realized that um, that helpers, people who are truly empathic, loving, compassionate, helpers in the world, people who want to help others all of the time are starting to feel depleted and are starting to feel exhausted and overwhelmed and fearful. and and so for me, I was like, okay, I I hit burnout and I recognized that there was a challenge with the helper syndrome. And so I have an acronym for help, which is honor, empathy, love, and presence. And so by combining honor, empathy, love, and presence, that's how we're showing up for other people. It's not just like doing the thing. It's not just moving the box. It's not just, you know, the ticky boxes on the list. It's how we show up. And what became so critical for me was the understanding that in order for me to be able to continue to be a helper for others, I had to start being a helper to myself. I had to start honoring myself, having empathy for myself, truly loving myself and being present with and for myself so that I had more to give. And that's where the trifecta of joy came from. The trifecta of joy is based on three elements. It's applying that concept of honor, empathy, love, and presence with awareness, right? Awareness is like, what's going on in your world? How are you feeling and reacting to it? What choices are you making? What's really important? And ditching the whole concept of balance because balance is bullshit <laughs> it is. It's total bullshit because it, it's total bullshit. and in the real world what we want is harmony. I the way I describe Harmony is if you imagine a giant infinity sign that comes into you and out into the world and then back into you, your priorities are what are flowing in and allowing things to let go and back out there. and if they're meant to return to you, they will. But we can't try and keep everything balanced on a beam, and and think that we can compartmentalize in life into work and life, or it's. I mean, it's all life. Mm-hmm. It's all life. So that's it. That awareness piece, and then defending the inner critic is the game changer.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The inner critic is something that we all have, that many of us believe are truths but they're all often old stories that we've picked up along the way. I call that our cultural stew, right? We learn it from birth. We're taught not to touch a hot stove and, and we're taught, you know, don't pet a dog without permission, the things to keep us safe. But then we also start to interpret other information that we think keeps us safe. And our inner critic then can take over and control everything. I mean, I, after John died, I remember having a conversation with my bestie and saying like, I'm the worst mom in the world. My kids are going to live on craft dinner and hot dogs from now on because I don't think I have it in me to cook anything different. And I mean, there's an inner critic. First of all, I obviously have an opinion on hot dogs and craft dinner, but second, right. Right? right? I mean, it's clear, but, but the second piece is, is that I took what I was going to feed my kids all the way into my value as a mom.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Right. And then I took it even further to say how other people would judge me as a mom and what that experience of judgment would mean as far as their experience of having me as a mom and my own worthiness in all of it. So really getting in touch with that inner critic is a big, big piece of it.
1: It's something that I deal with all the time. I know so much about that inner critic and it's so hard. It's so hard. I could go on and on and I won't. I'll let you talk about the next thing. But my inner critic, it just, I mean, come on, I'm 59 years old and people tell me I'm just an awesome person. And I could tell you everything that's wrong about me, everything, everything. And it's just.
0: And Moira, these are things you would never, ever, ever say to a friend, right? Like that's the other thing, like the conversations that we can have about ourselves to ourselves about our worthiness, about our bodies, about our age, about our capabilities, about our parenting, about our jobs, about relationships, community, like it just any aspect of life, we can allow our inner critic to have an opinion on. And so it's really about, it's really about getting clear about where's this really coming from? And I call my inner critic, my inner critic has a name. Her name is Deja. Her full name is Deja. Here we go again, poo, as in I've heard this crap before. And honestly, by objectifying her and by being able to say, this is, this is actually my inner critic's voice. This is not mine. It it creates a little bit of distance to create some more clarity. Right. And there's a lot of power in that distance to create clarity.
1: I like that. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Because it's identifying it's that goes back to that awareness. Like you're identifying again, where is this coming from? I've done lots of exercises, lots of meditations about this. You know, it's like, these are your things that you believe. Okay. Well, let's talk about all the truths, you know, let's identify the truths. you know, to get rid of the negativity, you know, look, I've done all kinds of things. Um, and continue to do that. But I like that if we can separate and say, okay, this is what that is. That's bullshit. That's here we go again, crap, or whatever you want to call it. I like that because it can separate because then you can put that aside. You know, you can shove that if people could see us. I'm pushing something aside. We can put that. They often talk about that when you have an eating disorder, that this is something like it's, you know, my life with Ed, you know, there's a book eating disorder. So they have you like this is not you. This is your disorder. And so when you can break up with your disorder or you can tell your disorder to go jump in the lake or get lost or whatever and say you're a terrorist, you're not allowed here. It's easier for them, not easy, but we can then work to separate right. and separate them out and say goodbye. Divorce ourselves from that. Whatever you whatever word you want to use so that then we're left as us without that now.
0: And, and, you know, it, it, it's a process and it's a practice and it's about progress. It's not about perfection, right? You know, I, I've kind of come to terms with the fact that my inner critic will probably always be with me until my last breath. It's just how much airtime I'm willing to give her Mm -hmm. and, and how much airtime I'm willing to give her to prevent me from living my most intentional, authentic, aligned self, right? And that's where the third element is, right? So we've got awareness, befriend your inner critic. And the third element is raising your vibration, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: right? Because we're all energy. And so even when we have shit days, because shit days exist, raising your vibration are the little things, the little pieces of light that you can build upon, right? It might be today, you know, my piece of light. I remember after John died, I I, there were two things that I decided were going to be my markers of a good day. The first marker was that I made my bed, which meant I got out of it. And the second marker was that I did my hair and makeup because I wouldn't do my hair and makeup if I didn't shower and take care of myself that way. Those were my two markers. Mm -hmm. So for me, as long as I was hitting those markers, then there was, there was some possibility. There was some hope. There was some joy. Right. And, and, and then it was like finding the little tiny things, right. Enjoying Like, I remember one day I don't, I, I still don't like unloading the dishwasher. I'll be honest. But I, when I unload the dishwasher, I go to a conversation I had with my grandmother who said, I love unloading the dishwasher. I take joy in unloading the dishwasher because for her, having a dishwasher meant she didn't have to wash all those dishes by hand. And so she would say, like, nothing gave her greater pleasure or more joy than reaching in and pulling out warm plates that she hadn't had to wash and she didn't have to dry.
2: Hmm.
0: Right. So, you know, it's it really is about that awareness, befriending your inner critic and raising your vibration by finding the moments and 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 allowing yourself the grace, the grace to trust and accept and forgive along the way.
1: Yes. Yes, 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 yes. There's so much. Um, yeah. I love doing this podcast because when I interview people and we have a chat, it's really, it's so much what I need to hear. So thank you for saying that (laughs) because I won't go into that, but I needed to hear those few things today as well. Um, But it's also like, I don't know if we talked about this when we first met, but Just the fact that I've shifted the name of my podcast to the journey of joy and joy is the highest vibration. And I know you know that and I don't know if the listeners do, but like just talking about joy, it like it makes me feel better. And when I come, I always love doing the podcast, but I feel like the podcast is making some shifts because we're talking about joy and we're talking about, and the people that I'm being attracted to and being led to are people like you that are this high vibe. And it's just, it feels, it feels good. I can feel it. And when I talk about my podcast and when I talk about like, well, that's what I do in my, that's what I try to do in life is help people find joy in the chaos of life. It just slips off my tongue. Cause I'm like, well, that's what I do. And it feels good. So I can't say enough about that. Like it does bring it brings your vibration up when you can talk about joy, but find those little things that, you know, and maybe it's at the end of the day, this was recommend, you know, this is recommended at times, you know, I'm a journaler, but I journal in the morning mostly, but you can journal at night and you can just sit down and say, what was good today? Like, how was my day? You know, and just finding a few things or that gratitude in the morning. And I sit down and often it's, now, we just adopted a dog. So it's like, it's Ruby because we love Ruby. And I love the birds. Cause I love to sit outside and hear the birds. You probably can hear the birds in the background because my windows are open, but it's those little things. But like you said earlier, those little things, it's that cumulative effect. And it just raises our vibration up. And we, the higher that we are in the vibration, the just the better we feel and thus the better life that we can experience.
0: Well, and it it is literally like lighting a path, right? So, you know, I, I see myself as I might be a single flashlight or a single match or a single candle, but I have the ability to pass that light around by being my own light. And the more light that we share, the better the world is going to be and ultimately the happier we're going to live our lives the more authentically we're going to live our lives right and and it is the 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 little moments like you said you know i in my programs i have a few different programs that i run and in my programs some of the elements that that i have people do on a daily basis include things like recognizing Three things they're grateful for, morning and night, mm-hmm. because gratitude—the the highest vibration states are peace, joy, love, and gratitude. Right. So, if those are the highest vibration states, give yourself three seconds. Give yourself a minute and a half to write down three things you're grateful for. Befriending the inner critic is a huge piece. So, give yourself recognition for three things you did right today, because it's so easy for the inner critic to list all the things you did wrong. Give yourself space to identify three things you did right. Right. And then another thing that um, my clients do is that it makes them very uncomfortable. Um, And it happens every time because this is, it's like I have a hundred percent track record with this. One of the things that I have my clients do is identify three things that they love about themselves every day. And for a lot of us, that is really, really hard. And I encourage, I don't insist, but I strongly encourage the statements to start with I am, right? And they need to feel slightly out of your comfort zone. Because, you know, I am kind, right? I I, I know that I'm kind, I'm a kind person, I'm a kind hearted person. Um, You know what, I do love that about myself. But that's not an area that I want to grow in. Right. So something that I also love about myself is that I'm fearless. Now, am I truly fearless? I don't know anybody who's truly fearless. But by by reminding myself that I am fearless, I'm reminding myself that I can and I have the ability to fear less.
2: Hmm.
0: Right. And so when we move into those spaces of identifying what we love about ourselves and inviting ourselves into those spaces of, of leaning into what we could, can love more about ourselves, it also impacts our vibration, mm-hmm. how we feel in the world, how we show up in the world, and the value of our life. Like, the bottom line is Moira, You are a speck of dust and I am a speck of dust in this universe, but we clearly have a purpose. And so until our last breath, it's our opportunity to live with that joy, even in our what the fuck moments, Mm -hmm. and move through them.
1: Absolutely, it's a great way to to wrap things up. Um, I love now people can't see this again. We talked about this that I don't put this on YouTube yet, but you have a pillow behind you that I'm saying. I think it says "say yes to." At least that's what I'm seeing, right? Yeah, and so those are things too. I mean, there's a you've. I don't know. You probably read the book, right? The Year of Yes, because I think sometimes we have to say. I don't know what it says on the pillow, but uh,
0: it says "say yes to more me time." more dancing, more books, more fun, more sleep, more dreaming, more creating, more laughter, and more love.
1: I need to get that pillow.
0: It was a beautiful gift from a friend.
1: Well, and I think that's a great way for people to just for this to wrap this up and and think about that to think about saying yes to things. There is, it's a great book, The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Um, I listened to it. I love the I love her the sound of her voice. And so it's a, a great book to listen to, but it's, it, there are, I believe there are some days and some years that we should say yes more. Yep. And also there are some years that we need to say no more because those are boundaries and things like that. And we can have another discussion about that. But there are, I think with this discussion about joy, I think that's a beautiful way to end it, to say, you know, start saying yes to more things. And if it's just the dancing or the uh, emptying the dishwasher (laughs) or the going for a walk or sleeping more or whatever the thing is, saying yes. Because as we say yes more, then more comes. And that's what, again, that's what her beautiful book was about. That boy, that what came by her saying yes was truly remarkable. And how it changed your life,
0: and in the trifecta of joy, it, I do talk about what are you a big juicy hell yes to, because it's really easy for us to talk about what we don't want, but but opening that heart space of what we're a yes to, and what we really truly unabashedly and unapologetically really would like to create for ourselves. Gives us an opportunity to dream, right? Say yes to more dreaming. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, we could go on and on. And this has been so awesome. I want to leave your listeners a gift. Obviously, I'd love to encourage them to go and check out my book, The Trifect of Joy. But what I would love to give your listeners above all else is actually a guidebook. And it's a guidebook that is how to start living that authentic life right now. It's called The Self-Love Adventure. It's a free downloadable. And all you do is go to freejoybook.com. And it is literally a 30-day journal that walks you through. This is what I do in my programs. This is part of my programs. But it walks you through how to get clear about what matters in your life and then how to start actioning it based on how you want to feel,
2: Hmm.
0: not the shit you want to get done. So as a gift to your listeners, I would love for them to have that because honest to goodness, like it, it, it changes lives and it's, it's, it's powerful.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure it is. Um, and that's what we need sometimes is somebody to guide us along the way. Mm -hmm. And, um, again, it's not about getting things. It's about Again, connecting with our heart and how do we want to feel? Because how do we want to show up? How do we want to really live our lives? So, thank you for that. You can find Tanya Gill. I mean, that's your website, or is your website Tanya Gill, or is it Trifecta of Joy? Or tell our listeners about that.
0: So, my website is perfectlyimperfect. Oh, that's right. W-T-F. But
1: on, that's right.
0: But on the socials, I'm at Trifecta of Joy. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little of each. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where people call me the joy alchemist and they also call me the sweary fairy. So, you yeah. know, I, I, just whatever works, that's me. That's whatever
1: works. Sometimes, you know, we can be one or the other. Someday we're this, some days we're that. And that's, exactly. that's really okay. Yeah. Well, Tanya, this was just a, a, it was a joy to have you, a pleasure to have you and thank you for all of it that you shared today how about just a couple of last words for our uh, for our listeners?
0: A couple of last words for our listeners. From my heart to yours, if there is one thing that I would encourage every human being to step into, even if it's 1%, it is trust. And that is trust in yourself, trust in the universe. And and trust that you are okay, you are safe, and you are loved. Thank you. Thank you. That's great.
1: Yeah. Thank you for being here. Again, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on the next episode. Hey there, ready to live a more joyful life? Considering connecting with someone who can help you? If so, I'd like to be that person. I offer a free consultation where we determine where the chaos is in your life and how you can learn to bring more joy each and every day. Visit my website, moiragorski.com or simply email me, moira at moiragorski.com with more joy in the subject line. I look forward to connecting and I'm here to say, there will always be some chaos, which requires a little juggling, but you can find joy and live your life intentionally filled with that joy. Let me help you on your journey to joy. And that's joy the journey of you.